any form of dissatisfaction is showing you there's something wrong with maybe a person within your business at times. I mean, that's, that's not unheard of. I've worked in businesses where there's a particular person that's quite prickly and customers just can't gel with that person. And that person actually needs to be removed from that role. Welcome back to the Master Your Business podcast. Today, I interview Carl Sandland, an accredited confidence and self-belief coach, empowering customer-focused leaders to transform their career and life with unshakable self-belief. Carl's work and home life completely changed when he worked as a coach, and that ignited a passion in him to become a coach to help customer-focused leaders. He knows about your struggles as he's lived through them himself. He's been controlled by them and more importantly, found a way around them. So if you'd like some guidance on how to change your mindset to overcome limiting beliefs and become the customer focused leader that you want to be and maybe never even thought possible, this episode is for you. I am absolutely delighted to welcome you to the show today, Carl. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners today? Uh, yeah, lovely to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. My name's Carl Sandland. I'm the Chief Experience Officer for Bright CX Limited. Fantastic, Carl. And where in the world are you based? Well, the, the company is, is, is registered in London, but I'm actually sitting at the moment at my home office in, uh, in lovely, sunny, well, rainy Manchester. Fantastic, beautiful part of the world. And um, so, Carl, tell us about Bright CX and what you do. So, Bright CX, there's, there's a few things that we do. I mean, ultimately, our, our mantra, I suppose, is, is helping businesses to, to give customers the experiences that they, that they need, deserve, and are going to remember because then they're going to come back. They're gonna, you're going to get that repeat business. And it's creating those memorable experiences by helping businesses to look at what they're doing, why they're doing things, you know, what's going wrong, and particularly focused, I guess, on, on complaints, which is a, a bit of a passion of mine, looking at handling complaints better. I think that is a rare passion, Cara, might I say. <laughs> I spent a couple of decades dealing with complaints. Um, so, so yeah, it's an odd passion, but it's it's a passion. Look, everybody needs a passion, don't they? Absolutely. Um, and so I really would like to talk to you a lot about complaints today on the show, because I think, you know, a lot of people listening, they're new business owners and maybe perhaps in previous roles that they've had they've experienced complaints but when it's in your own business you know it feels like a personal attack because you know if you do something wrong in your own business and somebody complains it's like somebody said your baby is ugly it's horrible it's a horrible feeling so you know advice or suggestions do you have for new coaches entrepreneurs or small business owners when they get a complaint in their business it's oh god there's, there's a few different ways to attack that really i guess i guess the first point is that you're right a lot of a lot of businesses don't like complaints and i think and i think there needs to be a bit more of a mind shift in there whereby it's like, don't run away from them don't be afraid of them you know somebody isn't personally attacking you as you said somebody isn't saying your child's ugly <laughs> what they're saying is they've had a problem with something and and actually they're they're, they're asking for your help. Then they're not saying you're rubbish, you're, you, you, your business is no good at this. They're just trying to solve a problem that they have. And I think, so that's the first thing. I think people need to have a bit of a mind shift change. And I think we also need to do is, is make sure that the people that are handling complaints certainly are empathetic and have got some of the additional soft skills, which I think a lot of businesses now 
forgotten about. Certainly with COVID, we seem to have hardened up. We seem to have turned our empathy filter off completely. And it's it's okay to send cold emails about, you know, sorry that that didn't work out for you. And, and another thing of my real hatred of mine is when people say, sorry, but, or sorry and it's like that's that's not an apology <laughs> in fact what i what i'd like to promote really is that people thank complainers it's like thank you for bringing this to my attention i'm going to solve your problem obviously but i really appreciate you telling me about this problem you're going to have because i can guarantee there's probably another you know x number of people a couple of other dozen people having this problem so i know i've got a lot a lot on up there about the a mindset thing but i think it's so important people should want complaints not want the problems, but invite complaints in so that they can delight people and, and, and solve the problems that the root causes. I love that. And I completely agree with you about the language as well. That's something, you know, for years when my team, we would have been dealing with clients and where they had to wait to, you know, be served in the bank when I worked in the bank. Sometimes people waited for 30 or 40 minutes to be served when, when it was really busy. And so, you know, one of the things that we tried to do was to shift everybody's language. So instead of saying sorry for keeping you, it was thank you for waiting. So just yeah. something as simple as that. It's like an acknowledgement. And it starts off the next part of the conversation more positively, doesn't it? it absolutely. Yeah. And, and linking it to something that you've experienced as well. I mean, even if you didn't flip that language and you still said, I'm sorry, you've had to wait. But then following it up with something like, I hate having to wait. And I really understand why you're probably frustrated right now. But let me help you with X, Y, Z. Those sort of things, those relatable bits. I mean, we're all humans, right? We, we just want to be dealt with as humans. And, and so do people who are complaining. They just want you to help them solve the problem. So, so yeah, I think, I think it's key. Yeah. And, you know, what I found, because, again, for years, I would have been engaging frontline with people. And, you know, often what would have happened was when somebody complained, it was like, Deirdre, will you come and deal with this? And like, you know, you'd be like, oh, the dread would just set in. You'd be like, <laughs> oh, God, what's wrong now? Are they going to shout at me? What? You know, and all of these thoughts start to run through your mind. You know, and I've got tips and suggestions that I give people when they ask me these questions, but I'd love to hear what yours are. What kind of tools or skills can people, you know, dig for to help them in that sort of situation? It is a tough one. And look, I've, I've been in exactly the same situation early in my career. I used to hate having to deal with the escalated calls. It's like, oh, God, please. Why, why is it with me? But I actually enjoy it now. I mean, I, I don't have many complaints now nowadays, but you know, in, in recent years, I've managed teams, large, large call center teams, where there's been a significant number of complaints that came in. And one of the one of the strategies that we had was we we sort of personified the certain types of complainers. So we came up with a play with five different complaining personas. So there was, you know, chronic complainer Carol, Meek Michael, aggressive Annie, high roller Harry. And rip off Ronnie. You could guarantee that each type of person who complained would probably fit into these different personas. And the teams were, were trained with understanding things to say to them, things to avoid saying to them. And it actually, in, in a way, it's slightly wrong because you're turning a complaint into a bit of a game in a way. It's like, oh, who can recognize who this sort of complainer is? But actually what it's doing is in a fun way, in a gamified way, it's it's enabling the team to have the tools, the framework to deal with that particular type of complaint. And as long as you wrap that then with the framework that we have for how to deal with complaints, you know, wording that you should always avoid, things you should always do and say, along with those personas, it worked really well. So actually it got to the, got to the stage where 
the team I was working with actually enjoyed dealing with the complaints because then they would feed that into the, the business improvement team. You know, they, they'd actually, they wouldn't take complaints personally anymore. They would, they would handle them and then deal with the, you know, the outcomes and the root causes. So that's, that's sort of like my tip. And that's actually one of the things that we, we cover in, in some of our training, our masterclass training. It's that how can you shift the focus, the mindset into using a framework and that's perhaps a little bit more fun and, and, and gets, gets the, you know, looks at the root cause and, and gets a different outcome. I love those personas. I think that's actually, it's a nice way to look at complaints. And it is a nice way to look at complaints because no matter what industry or sector, they're probably the same five personas, right? Pretty much, yeah. Everybody's everybody has met a chronic complainer, Carol. You know, everybody has probably dealt with a rip-off Ronnie who, you know, no matter what you say, their outcome is to get something for free, probably when they're not even deserving of it. And to be honest, they've probably not even had a problem with your product or service. They're just ringing to try it on. Mm. I can guarantee that most people have met these five personas if, if they've dealt with complaints. What I'd love to know is you, you mentioned there as you were talking about language that they absolutely must avoid and things that they should say as well. Can you give us some examples of those that, that maybe listeners could take and, and just be mindful of for their own businesses? Yeah, I, I guess I guess the key thing is trying to turn, even if you're trying to deliver a, a no or a negative message, you have to try and spin it and deliver it in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if somebody's asking for something that it's just out there and you, you think in your mind, you're thinking, no, you, you can't have that. You're not having that. We're not doing that for you. It's not a no. You can't say no. What you've got to say is, let me have a look at this. Let, what about this instead? You know, it's it's the it's the flipping the negative into a positive instead. And there's, there's there's numerous examples, but but I guess tied to that, it's it's more about that. How do you make somebody feel about how serious that you're you're looking at this? So there's there's a really good example I think Simon Sinek used. He was he was getting a flight back I think, and he he knew he'd, he'd booked a particular flight's time. And it's one of these tickets that you can't change, but he finished his conference a day early and, and he was trying to, he was trying to get a, you know, flight. He was trying to change his tickets time and so that he could get an early flight back. And, and he knew that he wouldn't be able to do it. And, and he clearly knew that the person dealing with him wasn't going to be able to change it. But he then went on to explain how the person said, oh, let me just try this. Oh, no, that's not worked. Sorry, Mr. Sinek. Let me just speak to my supervisor. Let me see if we can override this. Let me look in this system. Well, hang on a minute. Let me, let me go and try this. It's, you know, it's giving the, the, the person you're dealing with that, that real confidence that you, you are literally pulling out all the stops to try and make this happen for you. And even if at the end of it, the outcome is still, look, I'm really sorry, I can't do that for you. I can't change your flight. The outcome's the same, but the journey that you've taken them on is such, such a much more empathetic and understanding journey. And in fact, if I'd gone through that process and I wound up to complain, I'd be thinking this company's great. I'd be thinking that person's fantastic. They tried absolutely everything. So they've not taken my complaint away. They've not solved it. But I know that they actually care about me. And that's the key thing, isn't it? You know, safety, trust, care. They're, they're the key things that, that people look for. Absolutely. And I love what you said at the start as well. A Bright Start CX creates experiences that people need, deserve and remember because handling a complaint effectively and really turning it around is a positive experience that people remember, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think people forget that. I mean, it's, and again, going back to the outcome, it's not always the outcome that the customer wants. It's the journey you take them on. But yes, complaints really at times can be, can be ideal opportunities to wow people. If you, if you have quite often in your business, you'll have lots of customers that, 
you may have like an engagement with every so often when they're purchasing or you have follow-up meetings with them, but you may go through and, and the relationship might be quite mediocre. Whereas some of your customers are a little bit more volatile and might complain a little bit more. I can guarantee you've probably got a better relationship with them because there's, you're eliciting some sort of emotion with them, even if they're unhappy with things and you're putting that right. The overall net benefit is that there's a better relationship there. Absolutely. Carl, a lot of the listeners here are small business owners or coaches or entrepreneurs. So some of them will have multiple clients and others will maybe just have two or three. So if they get a complaint in, aside from, you know, the conversation that they have with that potential client, what kind of things can they do to help with the resolution process and to make sure these kinds of complaints don't come up again in the future? Well, I think that the key thing, and I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head a little bit there, really, it, it's the it's the end piece, isn't it? Look, the, the resolving the complaint, there is a there's like an eight step framework for how you you listen, you give them their airtime, you apologize and so on and so on. And then you, you resolve the complaint. But I guess the key thing is it doesn't stop there. Resolving the complaint is resolving the complaint for that customer. And you can guarantee statistics show that there's probably about another 25, 26 customers feeling that same pain. They just haven't complained because there's only about 4% of people do actually complain. So actually what you need to then do is look at the root cause of that problem. And that's what I work with businesses to do as well To Within our Customer First Academy, we look at not just solving the complaint, but then what do you do with that? What was the root cause? What was the thing causing the pain, causing the friction? How do we then engineer something that's slightly different in the in the customer journey to avoid that or to be proactive when those particular things happen and then how do we get return on investments around that illustrated so that then we can go to the leads of the business and say right well if you fix these problems you're probably going to stop about 30 complaints coming in this month and then of course they, they see the value of that and then that can be implemented in so Fantastic. yeah it's that it's that extra bit at the end and I know for small businesses, that might seem, oh, well, that's a big thing. That's a big corporate thing. But if you can apply the same principles of just understanding that resolving a complaint doesn't stop once the customer's happy, you know, it's actually, it goes beyond that. It's the, and what do you do to stop that happening again? I could not agree with you more. And I kind of, I speak about this as well with my clients too, because we talk about the emotion that you experience when that complaint comes in and there's an emotional cost to you as a business owner when that happens, because it can, it can really affect your mindset when that complaint comes in because you think, oh, I'm not good enough. And you know, the inner critic goes wild, but sometimes then when that, what happens is if you don't put a resolution process in place at that time and the emotion fades it's going to the same thing is going to happen again at some point in the future because there's no system or process in place so yeah completely yeah. agree with what you're saying there and Carl you've mentioned your master class a couple of times on the call and um you know a lot of the people who are listening they're solopreneurs they're maybe coaches entrepreneurs or small business owners they might work completely on their own or perhaps they have a few people on their teams and they may take calls but, you know, they might be on the phone all day. Is your masterclass suitable for them or who is it for? The masterclass really is suitable for anybody who may end up in a position where they're taking a complaint from somebody or managing people taking complaints. Mm -hmm. So so that could be, you could be the CEO of a small business. You, you know, you could be in a partnership and there's just a few of you. You could be a team lead who's got a team of 20 in a call center. You could be one of those people 
who are sitting on the front line taking calls. It's for anybody who needs to really understand, I guess, emotionally and technically how to deal with somebody who in some cases might seem to be personally attacking you. What, what are the, the tools and tips that you need in order to, to deal with that and to stop that happening? Carl, that sounds like something that every business owner should take 100% because, yeah, as I said at the start, it's a little bit like sometimes when somebody complains, it feels like a personal attack on you. And it's like they've said your baby's ugly. Really? That's what it feels like. It's not nice. And, And I mean, I think, you know, I've had, well, I haven't really had a complaint per se, but, you know, I've made mistakes that people have highlighted to me. And even though it's a mistake, it's an expression of dissatisfaction. And I suppose, you know, that's something else that that I like to highlight to people too, is that a complaint isn't always like, hello, Carl, may I please make a complaint? Sometimes complaints are the language that clients use is not that language it's not like hello carl can i please make a complaint you know so it's about listening for those expressions of dissatisfaction do you have any thoughts on that i I totally agree look any any dissatisfaction expressed should be treated as a complaint it's still some form of friction or dissatisfaction someone has they're still they're telling you because they want a resolution Mm -hmm. and ultimately you want to stop that happening again for them and for others that that's a complaint isn't it the post I actually did, ironically, was, was talking about a company that I used to work for where one of the senior team had decided we were getting too many complaints and therefore we were going to redefine what a complaint was. So it wasn't just all dissatisfaction. It was if the dissatisfaction was criteria A and criteria B, that was, that was a complaint. Anything else was just the customer wasn't very happy. It's like, you've got that so wrong that, that it's not going to work. But, yeah. So yeah, I agree. Any, any form of dissatisfaction is is showing you there's something wrong with that part of the customer journey or there's something wrong with maybe a person within your business at times. I mean, that's that's not unheard of. Before now, I've worked in businesses where it's actually that there's a particular person quite prickly and customers just can't gel with that person. And that person actually needs to be removed from that front line role. That's a frontline role. Yeah, that's a lovely description of them. Prickly. <laughs> prickly, yeah, prickly. You don't want to pick a hedgehog up, do you? I mean, you don't want to deal with picking a hedgehog up and that's, that's sometimes what people are like. Carl, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's been fantastic chatting with you and hearing somebody talk about complaints and expressions of dissatisfaction in such a positive way and knowing I think for people listening knowing there is a process that you can implement that can help you resolve those complaints handle them better and turn those complainers into loyal client relationships right absolutely absolutely look it's it's been fantastic thank you for uh Thank you for letting me come on and I'll, I'll step off my soapbox now. But as, as you can see, I'm quite passionate about complaints. I really do think that people think about them as, as being that, you know, that, that horrible relative you don't want to deal with, you don't want to see. Far from it. They, they should be, we should open up the floodgates to, to our complaints and deal with them and think about them in a different way. And I thank you for giving it. me the opportunity to, to talk about that. I love it. And Carl, I'm going to take all of your details and share them in the show notes so people can follow you, connect with you and check out your masterclass. Thank you for listening to today's episode.